Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Hello. Today, I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the podcast, Diane Israel. Diane is a Naropa professor teaching in the Graduate School of Psychology and is a psychotherapist focusing on healing and well-being. She was also a professional world-class runner, a triathlete, and she is also a member of the Board of Trustees at Naropa. So thank you for coming and speaking with us today. Thank you so much, David. I'm so fully grateful to be here and doing this with you. Yeah. So good to have you. I've seen you always around. I used to work these events and just see you at the board of trustees and I never really knew who you were. And then you agreed to speak with me today. And while upon researching you, I was just like, wow, you're so interesting. This is going to be fun. (laughs) So it's just a pleasure to sit down with you and talk. So thank you. Yeah. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I've been living in a place of so much gratitude Mm. and just learning to be with everything that arises and really learning how to be with the uncomfortable and the messy and the unresolvable at these really challenging times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sounds pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't feel so heavy when you know, I'm kind of being with what is, yeah. you know, it's really feels heavy when I'm always trying to be something else ah. that I'm not, like if I'm feeling anxiety and yeah. I'm trying not to feel anxiety, yeah, then that's harder than just huh. like meeting my anxiety or meeting my confusion or my yeah. fear of this culture, you know, like what's been going on. Interesting. So it's almost like when you feel like you're going with the flow, it's not as hard as to push something away saying, I don't want to feel that right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Ooh. Okay. And a lot of what (laughs) we do in class is just like when uncomfortable feelings arise, Mm -hmm. just really literally meeting them and just having the student just allow that experience to move through, you know, yeah. really like we talk about it, move through like the weather, but it really is like that. Yeah. Because feelings come and go, just like a little kiddo, you know, yeah. who's crying sometimes and then just having <laughs> like a great playful time and very joyous and then frustrated. And yeah. So I'm into that. I'm really into present moment mm-hmm. living. Yeah. It's really important to understand that things come and go. Things totally come and, and then go. while they're here, deal with them skillfully. So when they go, you can be an intact person. Beautiful. And on that note, <laughs> this idea of letting go. Yeah. I don't. I'm not really into it because ah, things okay. let go when they're ready to change. You know. Mm. So when I tell myself like I have to let go, it's more about just allowing, and then it through the process will yeah. maybe let go. But when I wow. try to let go, I sometimes hold tighter. 
huh, it's almost like an animal that sheds. It's not like I'm thinking of shedding and it just sheds. It's, it sheds when it needs to. So it's like the process of letting go is letting the process do its thing and then it can let go. Yeah, like there's that. this little thing. Letting go is a surrender. We often push it away Ooh. or ignore ourselves or turn away from it. But yeah. if, then it's kind of like, wow, <laughs> you you abandoned me <laughs> again. Wait a come back. <laughs> come back. So everything okay. comes and it comes back. You know, when I started yeah. as a yeah. therapist, I remember people said, hey, Diane, I want to come to therapy because I want to get rid of this and I want to get mm. rid of a bunch of stuff. And I thought, oh, great, I can help you with that. Yeah. And then over the years, I realized, what are we getting rid of, you know? Yeah. We're just understanding the beauty and the complexity of our humanity. Mm. I As like that. We're really just yeah. deepening and relishing and aging in that. Mm-hmm. We're all just learning. We're just learning. Here we are. We're just all bozos on the same bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what one of my teachers used to say. You know, we're all in this mm. together. Who used to say that? Evan Hotkins okay. at Boulder Graduate School. You know, cool. when we get really serious, we're just all kind of silly. And, and to <laughs> enter the tarot deck, ah. you've got to be a fool on the first card. Will, willing to be a fool. Interesting. okay so very fun i'm actually kind of curious how did you find your way as part of the board of trustees how did you find yourself on the board i'm kind of curious about that journey and here you are today part of the members so 28 years ago i joined the naropa community coming from boulder graduate school okay and I graduated in the first class of the Graduate School of Counseling, Transpersonal Counseling. I've been involved with Naropa for so many years, and I really see it as my family. I don't have children, and I'm so dedicated to it. I love it, and I really feel like Naropa is a family. We, with all its challenges, with all, all of our differences, with the frustrations, with the chaos, with the love, with the confusion, Mm. somehow we're all here and we come together because we know we need to be here at Naropa. And one of the things that I've been so inspired by over the 28 years is how so many individuals come here, but then we create such a beautiful Naropa community. Yeah. What inspired me to try to be a trustee was I really see this so much as a part of my life, Mm -hmm. and I felt that that would be a place, if I could become a trustee, to really have an impact and to really work hard to enrich this place. Yeah, great. So, Well, thank um, you for your work, and just thank you for coming here and seeing Naropa as like the family. I really do feel the same. I've been at Naropa for eight years now and it does have this family vibe. Like everyone just really likes working together and we all do the mingling and everyone's involved in what we do here. So it has a big vibe of a family. And I think Rinpoche said that Naropa was a 500 year plan. Yeah, and, I remember that. You know, yeah. we're like kind of in its infancy, and uh-huh. I try to remember that, like you know, the terrible twos. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So you know, it's it's a human. Naropa is a human experience. We're like growing our first tooth, 
energetically or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not all perfect. You know, yeah. it's not all easy. It's it's mm. really a great metaphor yeah. for the messiness and the mm. the richness of being alive at this time. Yeah. You know, Definitely. and then we all can come together. And I know for me, school was really, really hard, traditional school mm-hmm. and coming here was like coming home. Yeah, I feel really at yeah. home at Naropa. And, you know, we talk about this authentic self and being ourselves, but truthfully, this is what this place is about. Yes. And, and really discovering what that is. Yeah. For each of us. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thanks for being here, David. Yeah, here we are, both of us. Yes. So I'm curious. You said you studied transpersonal psychology and you became a psychotherapist and all this. Where did you study? You said the Boulder? Boulder Graduate School okay. was the foundation of the transpersonal program, okay. the Graduate School of Transpersonal Psychology. Did it matriculate into? Yes, we came Deb over. Deb Bowman did yeah, that. Deb yeah, Deb Bowman and myself. There's a and podcast Sandy about Goldman, that. the three of us. Uh-huh. Oh, very yeah, cool. I feel very psyched about that. We wow. we really created this program and so it's like really dear 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 mm. to my heart. And okay. Deb Deborah Bowman without Deborah, yeah, this would never have yeah. manifested. She's been on the podcast twice, so I kind of know a little bit about this, but apparently you three brought that over here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very we cool. Did. It's thriving. Yeah, I went door to door actually to raise money. Wow. Yeah, it was so inspiring because I would have lost, uh, if Boulder Graduate closed, I would have lost almost four years of graduate school. Wow. So when okay. we got adopted by Naropa, it was such a blessing. Yes. We didn't know where we'd get picked up. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I feel like I've grown up here and I feel like in a lot of ways Naropa has been a place where... Mm. Um, I feel like it sounds so trite, but it's kind of saved my life. Okay. In in well being. Yeah, it does that. It's and got in that quality. craziness. <laughs> Crazy wisdom. Yeah, craziness is fun. Let's be honest. If you have like a contained, you kind of know it. You yeah. just like get to go be authentically crazy. Yeah. And have fun yeah. with the world. <laughs> So as your work as a psychotherapist and also a counselor doing the healing and well-being work, what type of struggles do you see in the people that you are helping? What sort of issues come up? What do people come to you for? Well, a lot of my work in the early years was around body image and eating issues. I really don't like to use the word disorder, but, you know, eating disorders yeah, and really people struggling with addiction, trying to feel at home in their bodies, trying to feel well, trying to self-soothe, mm. trying to self-regulate and not really having tools and often being very, very highly sensitive like myself. I'm a very, very highly sensitive processing person. So in a very overstimulated, very difficult environment, many of us turn to addiction to try to feel better, to -hmm. try to regulate, to try to feel sane. And so for many years, my work was to try to support people in healing around that and my own issues around uh, food and anorexia was how I coped with my growing up. 
Okay. So that was something that you struggled with? Yes. Okay. Yes, big yeah. time. And what I've learned in my older years is that I came from a family like many people where feelings weren't something that were welcomed. I yeah. think they were really scary okay. for the family and very overwhelming. Mm. And so if I could focus on food, it was an incredible distraction to the pain of my internal pain, but also the family pain. Yeah. And I remember uh, Gabor Mate saying that actually yeah. eating disorders is a family issue. Like huh. he, he, that's the only one he named as really being like a family issue or a parental child relational issue mm -hmm. and without blaming, just that it's, it happens, shit happens, yeah. you know? Yeah. But... I find that addictions are very similar because we're just, I don't see them as a problem as much. I mean, they can be a real problem for people, mm -hmm. but I see them as trying to find well-being, trying to find life vitality, trying to deal with their humanness. Yeah. And a big piece, David, that I've come to is just if those of us who have eating disorders or are dealing with addiction mm -hmm. can find baby step ways to feel yeah, and feel our way through and be okay with the – learn how to be okay with the enormity of feeling mm -hmm. and being alive, Yeah, the addiction really gets to rest because there's much more self-soothing that goes on and much more capacity for healing. Wow. I – I never really thought of it like that, where it could be like a family sort of triggering or mm -hmm. a family issue. I'm kind of really curious about that. Like, how does that work? Like, how does the family propel someone to discover this eating habit? You know, I think when I work with people, everybody is so beautifully unique and I, yeah. <laughs> I, I say to my students that when in becoming a psychotherapist or a teacher or a therapist that mm -hmm. you're a detective. Ooh. You're a detective. Energetic detective. Yeah. Okay. And you're just trying to like figure out the beauty of why people develop the addictions or the patterns that they do. Yeah. And again, you know, like we're mm. not problems. We're not wrecks. We're not – we're messy, but we're not – a mess, you know, but yeah. we've all been raised that we're like not enough and that we're broken and we mm. need to be fixed. And I love the work of Bruce Tiff, the fruitional model, okay. which is so much more based on wholeness and well-being and that, you know, we're really incredible and we're really whole in all our incompleteness and our completeness. Yeah. And so... Anyway, I think I forgot your question, but just curious. Oh, how the, family the family issue. Yeah, I'll just share personally. I feel so grateful from the family I come from, and I've lost both my parents and miss them a lot. And things were difficult at home, like for many of us. And my dad was a very controlling, smart person, mm -hmm. and he. It was a tough environment, a lot of pressure to succeed and to do well at things and be a certain way. And I think for me, there was just like a lot of not feeling safe or comfortable in my skin Okay. in a very busy, very doing family. Okay. And so the food became what's a refuge. Ah. If I could focus on the food... It was something that I could control and 
create an environment that felt sane for me. Mm-hmm. So okay. does that make sense? Yeah. yeah does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And the more I'm able to feel and the more I'm able to be kind and tender to myself and like myself and sounds trivial, but love myself mm-hmm. and be in the present, the more I have found that the focus isn't on the food. Okay. The food is just a symptom. Interesting. Yeah. It's a symptom of con- wanting to control something. Yeah, yeah. It's a symptom of trying to find safety ah, in okay. in my family, in the world, and in my body. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, and actually, the other day, I realized that when I'm hungry, because sometimes I fall back under stress, I think we all mm-hmm. regress. When I fall back, I realize that when I'm really hungry and when I'm dealing with food issues, it brings me actually into my body and it brings me home to my body. And I thought that was really interesting. I kind of came to that the other day. Mm. I'm sure others have figured that out a long time ago. Yeah. Well, we all have our own unique approaches and when it comes up for us, you know, so that moment was to be had for you in that time. Yeah. It was like, wow, you know, (laughs) I've lived a long time and I just got that. So, you know, again, I'll just repeat, we're beautiful as we are Mm -hmm. and we're, we're not really problems, but in this culture, we've been so conditioned that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's something wrong with us. We need to be fixed. You know, that's the whole economy, you know, we're broken and we need a product or we need to lose weight or, you're not broken out there. You are perfect as is. Yeah. And just keep doing what you do. Right on. You know? Oh, and then there's Robert <laughs> Keegan's work about oh. the completeness project uh-huh. that we're all like trying to become complete. So we have to just keep doing more yoga and we have it's to like keep. It's like striving for something. Yes. Because we are not that yet. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and we have to keep striving for things outside ourselves, like yeah. the bigger home and the cuter relationship uh-huh. and the more stuff and the mm. busier, busy. Busy is just a great way to distract, you know, from just any uncomfortable feeling. Like I'm an expert in anxiety. Uh-huh. And so I've had a lot of time to practice. Interesting. Okay. Thank you for sharing. So you sent me a movie that you made. She made a movie. It was a documentary and it was called Beauty Mark. And it was a documentary of your earlier life when you were a world-class runner, professional athlete, and you were doing the triathlons and you started to notice your you don't want to say it this way, but your disorders, your eating disorders and your, the things started coming up. And so you made this really beautiful movie discussing your story. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and about your story? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, what I started to learn was this race for perfection, you know, this race to look a certain way to try to be the best athlete in the world. And this, insatiable drive and like it just was so confusing because first of all for many athletes whether you're a dancer or gymnast or a wrestler or a runner there's such a fine line like we can get caught up in like well if I lose a few pounds you know Mm -hmm. then I'll be a better athlete so ironically I was dying in some ways and I was Hmm. this great athlete but then it 
took at 28, it burned me out and I ended up with health issues and chronic fatigue because I didn't take care and nurture my body. Yeah. But the movie is really about this journey, this journey of striving and wanting to so much be this great athlete because Mm -hmm. if I won these trophies and I was number one or two or three in the world, then somehow I'd be more lovable and I'd be you know, liked more and then people wouldn't know how stupid I felt or how screwed up, you know, I thought I was at the root. So the movie's a very raw exploration of this quest for perfection. And then this other theme, David, is like when I made this movie over 20 years ago, I started working on it. It was this all these parents hmm. at these camps I worked at, they wanted their boys and girls, they wanted their children to, their trans kids to love their bodies. You know, yeah. they wanted them to not be like them who hated their bodies, mm-hmm. but they wanted their kids to love their bodies. And that was crazy making. It's like they would walk by the mirror and say, ugh, look at my ass, or I'm so fat. And mm-hmm. then they'd say, but I don't want you to worry about that. And it was so incongruent that at camp with these beautiful humans that I was working with, I was like, this is what you want to work on, like fitting in a smaller pair of pants, when we could be leading the world and changing the world and doing such incredible service. And they'd say things like, when I lose weight, then I'll do public speaking. And that whole kind of view, just I'd never made a movie but I just was like, oh, God, I've got to do something. Yeah. That's when you got sparked. I got sparked. It okay. kind of became like a mission, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. and and there's another piece I wanted to say, David, mm-hmm. also to just talk about it. Like yeah. in my early days, Interesting. like being born in the 60s, you know, in 60, we didn't talk about anorexia. We didn't talk about family issues. We didn't talk about addiction like we do was it too taboo to talk about or that wasn't allowed here all of that okay and in some ways there wasn't even a language you know which is really beautiful now because i feel like one of the messages for beauty mark is just talk about it you know talk about it don't hide it and when you do talk to people who have eating issues or addiction you know talk about yourself not so much like they're the problem You know, Mm -hmm. it's more like how you feel when you maybe worry about them. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? And and not just like, oh, it's you. You need to be fixed. Yeah. When I was watching your movie, I noticed there was this other thing on top of the eating issues and stuff like that. There was this addiction to competing, addiction to training, you know. So it seemed like you had these two things. So you weren't necessarily getting enough nutrition in your body, but then you're also like running yourself pretty deep. You're like, oh, I'm going to go on a little run and it's like 10 miles or 15 miles or something like that. And yeah. to a normal person, that's that's a little ins- crazy, crazy to go that deep. Yeah. And do you think there is multiple components that add to the issues of eating? Very much so. Okay. You know, they can be very complex for me Yeah, my whole life. I've dealt with issues around eating. My platform's not about like I'm recovered because personally I just feel like the word recovered for me ends up 
feeling like I'm a problem, but my platform's more about remembering, Mm. literally remembering my wholeness and healing just the complexity of my humanity. Mm -hmm. And I am very inspired and excited and alive by exercise. Uh And I still am very much here to move. I'm a mover. And in school, I would have been totally diagnosed ADHD, you know, 60, 50 years ago, you know? I just, that's my essence. That's who I am. And I just, at this point, you know, try to keep it as best I can in check. But I like when mom and dad died, I slipped way back. Mm-hmm. And that became again a very habitual behavior yeah. to feel safe, to feel myself, to feel at home, to make sense of all the trauma and loss. Yeah. And that's what wow. we do. That's what we do. You know, we we'll grab, be doing really well. To something. Yeah. Yeah. And then we regress and then we're mm-hmm. little kiddos again. And a huge part of my work is just healing our little kids. Yeah. You know? Like, oh. like so many fragmented kind of hurt little parts of ourselves, bringing them back and welcoming yeah. them. Welcoming and not them. forgetting about them, going over there and attending yeah. to the particulars that may be informing something that you personally don't want to be doing, but you are doing. Right. Those habitual actions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we're, we are our habits, you know, we've mm-hmm. just, that's what saved our lives. So yeah. just being kind to them. You yeah, know, I've got a lot kind. of habits. You know, when I I, I look around, <laughs> I and I'm like, I'm too. not the only one who has habits, you know, because sure. I see everybody. When I do my little hikes, I see the yeah. same people. When yep. If you go to a coffee shop, it's like, hey, they have a habit too, you know. Yeah. Hey, let's join the habit. I'm a creature of habit. I'll like integrate something into my life completely. Like for instance, I was just on the talking with Kelly Watt, my boss, we did a podcast with me and it was an interview and she was talking about this thing that I like to do where I take a photo of the tree outside of Naropa, the sycamore tree. And I'd been doing it for two years every single day. And it's just part of my day now. It's just a habit I do. That's beautiful. But I mean, there's other habits that aren't so good, but there are habits that are good too, but we are habitual creatures and we tend to do things like that. This is something I was talking to with my partner, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to transcend our patterns, it first has to be okay to have Mm. our patterns. And when we bring enough self-acceptance to our patterns, we can start to like melt them, you know? Yeah. But it's only through that instead of just like, oh, (laughs) stab. (laughs) I love that because you have to be aware of the pattern to even notice it is a pattern because if not, then it is something that you're not noticing. Right. So you have to become aware first yeah. to actually notice that there might be something to work on. Right. Okay. Well, one thing I say to myself a lot that helps me is just it's really hard when I'm when we're in in a rough place for all of yeah. us, I think, but I'll just say like I I try to reframe it like this is helping me. Like yeah. you know as much as I know we all try to get away from our struggles and it's instinctual too at the end of the day it's like to practice all this is like helping us. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So moving forward with your therapy and your counseling and also your personal experiences, how does that show up in your sessions with clients trying to help them? Because you are coming from a place of experience. You didn't just 
go to graduate school, read some books and understand this thing that people might get into this habit. You actually had personal experience. So does that help you inform your sessions? Oh yeah, totally. One thing, David, I've been recently calling myself a conductor because I, when my mom died, she loved music. She loved, loved classical music. And after she died one day, I had like 103 or four fever and I had been doing psychotherapy for 25 years and I was pretty burnt out and I was really grieving the death of my mom and, and my dad. But my mom came to me in death and she's like, you're a conductor. And that's really my passion with clients is to like shine a light on their beauty and their brilliance and focus on the health and not what I call the illness or the lesions or the disease or the disorder. I mean, that's a part of the complexity, but I try to mirror back, you know, the health. Yeah. Um, It's a perspective shift. Yeah. Because there are so many things you could be focusing on in that moment. And if you hyper focus on the things that are wrong, you're going to ignite that fire a bit more. Right. And I really like how you do that because then you're showcasing to people that there's other things to focus on. There's like so many different things you can focus on. And we are the owners of the decision of where our focus is being pointed towards. I love that. But one thing I really want to make sure I make clear is that I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I'm all for the joy and all for the light because I really feel that the joy comes from the complete working of our, Mm. I love Carla McLaren's work, the language of emotions. And I'm recognizing with some of our students' work, this Jenny Johnson who just invented this amazing model that, you know, all of us are dealing with like scared, you know, being scared and being sad and mad as a symptom. You know, mad is actually a symptom of like scared Mm. or sad. And then joy just is like the river that flows when we're least expected, you know? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't been somebody who's just hung out in joy a lot, but I'm realizing that the more I embrace sad and scared and mad and jealousy Mm -hmm. and the beauty of all of it, then I feel more joy. It's like freed up. You know, Mm. as Bruce Tift says, his book, Already Free, freedom in just learning to experience. Yeah. Wow. So much freedom. It's kind of like a decision. And I really like the fact that you're saying it's not all love and da-da-da. There are some real things out there. There are some real things that people need to deal with and people need to go through. But to also realize at the same time, there are many ways to heal from this and it's just a moment. Everything is a moment. Yeah. Whether like even joy is a moment. Yes. But what are we, we're learning how to extend those moments of joy and learn how to not extend those moments of sad or scared or fear or something like that and feed into these issues that we might have developed within our lives yeah. to break our habits. Yeah, when you talk about that, David, for me, I was very ill over the summer and a gift that came out of that, which <laughs> I wasn't feeling gifts in the beginning, you yeah. know, but what started to come was just 
really this idea of the present moment. And I know we talk about that a lot, but really, truly, because I think when we're going through really, really hard times, if we're experiencing like physical illness, you know, we can't really separate our thoughts and our mind and our spirituality from all that. So everything was just like kind of crumbling for me. Mm -hmm. And the more I could just kind of come to this present moment, and I love Mary O'Malley's book, What's in the Way is the Way. Because, yeah, what's in the way is the way. (laughs) And her book helped me so much this summer because it was like she described kind of the present moment as just like going to a meadow, Mm -hmm. like being in a meadow. And I love nature. I'm like a nature hound. I love, I live for nature. Uh So that helped a lot. And then just this idea of calm and kind and gentle and Mm. tender. And then what I also worked with is just recognizing that this mind, and especially the critical mind, is really trouble. You know what I mean? Like I started to feel like, wow, you are really a distraction from (laughs) my spiritual life. Like I'm just going to do everything I can to come back to the present moment. Yeah. So that, that I don't know, I'm so right brain that I like that. Some people might okay. think, oh, I love the critical mind. Yeah. Okay. So what would you suggest is the solutions for people when they get caught up in these issues? Have you noticed there is a general way out and or fix or sort of tool to give people to help them deal with these sort of issues? Well, one thing I've been thinking a lot about is how do we feel our way through our hearts to the truth of who we are? Mm-hmm. That's a big piece of it. And, you know, that's a tough question because I just feel as I age that it's like the whole package. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the mixture of the struggle and the joy. And, you know, I in the movie I say I really thought that enlightenment was this place that we'd get to and there'd be Mm -hmm. all this light and like I'd arrive somewhere and then like (laughs) everything would be okay. But in this journey, I realize it's such a journey. Same thing with a finish line, David. I always thought that like crossing the finish line first meant that, you know, my life was going to be so good. But what I say in this film, Beauty Mark, is that the finish line is the gift of life. The, you know, the, crossing the finish line is this gift of being alive. Yeah. And I really do feel that, you know, waking up and health is just moment to moment. That's yeah. how I feel, you know. Yeah. And, and when we're really not well, it's challenging, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really, really challenging. I mean, chronic pain or dealing with mental illness, these are really tough issues. Yes. And... Again, all we've got is our relationship to them. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we need support. That's why I love Naropa so much because this is a place to get support. Yeah. I mean, I was really not well this summer and I got a lot of support from the board. Yeah. Awesome. You know, mm. because I just wasn't well. The board family. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, what I'm hearing is I mean, there necessarily isn't someone comes to you for some counseling with some issues and there isn't like this prescription, this thing that you can just give them. You almost need to hear their story and their journey before you even try to decide what to help them with. 
knowing their uniqueness, knowing their journey. And, you know, people may have the same issue, but the way they got there is different. Totally. They could have got there from family, from like social cues or from just body imaging, watching on television or something like that. There's so many different directions. They've come to the same spot. Beautiful. You know, and want to work on something. So maybe their process might be different than someone else. So I can see why you answered it that way. It's, It's always unique. Yeah, it's always unique. What I try to do is bring the story and our history into the present because we're probably playing it out in our significant relationships or with our kids. And so I really honor story to be useful a couple ways. One is in the present and two, like I was saying earlier, to just like really celebrate and honor our little kids inside us that really need to tell their stories. I'll give you an example from my own healing, David. When I was little, I was hiking with a bunch of people and one of our friends fell off a mountain and got really, really hurt for life. We were too young to be out there alone. So sometimes when I'm out in the woods and I'm hiking, I start to have a lot of anxiety and fear Mm. about being up on a rock or hiking alone on a trail. And so the other day before the time change, I got really scared. I, I started to feel really terrified out in the woods. And then I just went back to that incident when my friend Mark fell off this mountain and we were all in just like fourth grade without parents around. Yeah. And I just like held myself and I was like, oh, little die, you're just reliving that experience when you were so scared, but now Mm -hmm. you're an adult, you know, and I just kind of held myself and then I just let myself cry and feel the terror. I was really scared for a few minutes and then it just like... My little kid was so psyched that like I did that, you know? And then it was like, whoa, now I'm an adult again on the trail. I'm okay. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like a current. Yeah. You know, it's like I love water mental analogies. current yes. coming in. Flowing yeah. in and out. You going to surf that or you just going to duck dive it? You know, what yeah. are you going to do? I just love what Pema says, you know, <laughs> the, the waves don't change, but our relationship to them does. Mm, I you like know? that. The waves are still coming in. To yeah. be honest, I know my clients know I get slammed, they get slammed, mm-hmm. and we're all in this soup together. We're all in it together. Here we are. I like that. It's just such an enjoyable conversation and just there's so many different things to explore and you just seem to have like this really big light in you and Mm -hmm. I can feel the passion within the work that you do and I just want you to tell us how people can find you. Do you have a website? You can tell them how to find your movie, which is called Beauty Mark. So if there's like a certain streaming site for that or how to find you on social media, just how do we get to know more about you? That's so sweet. Well, beautymarkmovie.com is one of the sites. And here I am so horrible at knowing like (laughs) my email stuff. But yeah, uh, if you Google, you know, Beauty Mark Movie, you'll find it. And I think it's beautymarkmovie.com. We have a really beautiful website with radio shows and articles I've collected and we've collected for over 10 years to help people out. Also, disrael at naropa.edu. People want to reach out. Hmm. And yeah, just... uh, Oh, and the movie is on Amazon. Okay. Amazon Stream, is that what it is? We're streaming it on Amazon. Nice. Is that right? Okay. I think you're saying it, right? (laughs) Yeah. You can tell I'm really good at technology, but that's, yeah. 
How often so do you stream it, movies? <laughs> not much. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're working on getting it streamed right Great. now. Hopefully, people will enjoy yeah. it and it'll speak to people. And you might have a book coming out at some point, right? Yes. You've got something in the works. Yep. I'm working yeah. on a couple books. Okay. One, one has to do with hearing some really clear messages from my mom and dad after they mm. died and just yeah. kind of writing their poetry and their beautiful wisdom that I've received by going to their yeah. ashes. Yeah. And the other one is this kind of, uh, I don't really want to give away the title. No, you don't have to. But this exploration okay. of becoming kind of a, I was always a doing athlete. And I know many people can relate to the doing world and doing, 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 and mm -hmm. I'm becoming hopefully more being as I mm. learn and have to heal from illnesses. And so those are some of the things I'm awesome. working on. Well, maybe when you get those books going, we can have another podcast. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Hey, David, I want to say something. I go for it. totally see and feel your passion. What? Like how you <laughs> go around and take pictures is just so <laughs> inspiring. And something I just try to help or love to help clients with and people with, yeah. students, yeah. is just to find your passion. And, you know, when I was growing up, I was kind of conditioned to focus on what I wasn't good at and, like, mm. learn the things that I wasn't good at. And then it, I just felt more and more inadequate. And what I like to tell students and clients is, you know, focus on what you're passionate about. Yeah. What's your genius? What's up? Yeah, <laughs> what what's you wanna up? Do? <laughs> what you want to do? And then... Yeah. You know, that gives you this vehicle to serve. Yeah. Discovering the inner dialogue that will ask a moment of what is your highest joy in this moment at this time? Beautiful. Just to be like, how can I be awesome? What do I want to do? Yeah. You know? And you know, Eve Ensler, she made the vagina monologues and did all kinds of body shows and on Broadway and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my film, she's in my film and she says, you know, we're all wrecks. We're all messes. And so what? That doesn't mean we can't change the world. That doesn't mean we can't serve. Actually, those of us who've lived these full experiences, you know, we meet our clients where they are and we get it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I had such a good time and I'm sure we'll speak again when your book comes out and I'm really eager to kind of explore what you have to offer. David, thank you. You are so fun. <laughs> Thanks. And alive. I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for organizing this and thank you for doing the incredible service that you're doing here mm. at Naropa. You're so welcome. So thank you again to Diane Israel for being on the podcast. She is a Naropa professor teaching in the graduate school psychology. She was also a professional world-class runner, triathlete, and she serves on the board of trustees. Thank you. On behalf of the Naropa community, thank you for listening to Mindful You, the official podcast of Naropa University. Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.